Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous and I'm your host, Julia. And on today's show, Shy is back and we are talking Black Widow. Black Widow released July 9th, 2021, and it stars Scarlett Johansson. The solo movie of the complicated and stoic Avenger Natasha offers not only her origins, but vulnerability we have yet to see in Romanoff in any other Marvel movie that has come before. Mark Kermode of Kermode and Mayo had this to say, the film put flesh on the bones of the character in a way that hadn't been done before. I enjoyed it and I wasn't bored, though I was baffled by the accents. Brian Telerico of RogerEbert.com wrote, Director Kate Shortland's movie confirms that Black Widow could have carried her own flick ages ago. There's enough character, backstory, and intrigue in her world for a whole series. While audiences and some critics are saying this is the best Marvel film yet, not everyone is enthralled by Black Widow. The Daily Beast ran a review with the headline, Marvel's Black Widow movie is one last insult to Natasha Romanoff. Shirley Lee from The Atlantic wrote, the film ceases to be about Natasha wrestling with her heroism. By pitting her against a raging misogynist, Black Widow tries to simplistically cast Natasha as a pop feminist icon. Shy was with us with the WandaVision discussion and Falcon and the Winter Soldier recording. So I have to say, I love it when you stop by to talk about Marvel. <laughs> Thanks, I love that we could just like nerd out. And a side note to listeners, this is going to have spoilers, so you've been warned if you haven't seen the movie. (laughs) I'm sorry you took so long. First, let's dive into the recap and what better than the source material than Disney, right? So Disney says, in Marvel Studios' action-packed spy thriller Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal. So let's get into it. I'm curious first to kick it off with Shirley Lee's comment about trying to make her a pop feminist icon. I feel like, I don't feel like they were forcing her to become a pop feminist icon. I think the opportunity was there and they grabbed at it. Right now is kind of like the right uh, political climate to try to do that. And it's not like they went to Wonder Woman and said that they were making Wonder Woman movie to grab at the pop culture feminism icon thing right now. Where that is just, that's how it kind of is. I don't know. She's always been, um, she's always been like a badass. And I feel like this was just a way to, to show it off. I agree. I was a little irritated by that comment because so I went back and watched Iron Man this past weekend as part of my Natasha Romanoff research because I, you know, the character has been around forever. So she's grown Mm -hmm. so much. And so watching her in Iron Man 2 and when we first meet her in Iron Man 2 and then seeing her evolution through to Black Widow, I know that Black Widow takes place in a different time span than like it wasn't released at the time. You know what I mean? It's like in between the whatevers Mm -hmm. and she's grown so much into the character to the point where like, yeah, I'm not a ScarJo fan, but when people were talking shit, I was like, excuse me. Yeah. No, no, no. You don't get to, you don't get to talk shit about Black Widow and ScarJo Jansen. That's not a thing that we're doing right now. We don't do that. Her movie was good. Men walked into this thinking I get to watch Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson in their tight suits for the next two hours. But I mean, did you not expect them to fight and make some sort of political statement with the fact that they are women kicking ass? Like, I don't, you can't have it both ways. Right. And so to quote the guy that sat next to me, he said in the movie theater, he said, I don't even, I thought this was an origins movie. Like all we got was her last name. Sir, excuse me, were you sitting in the same movie? So for listeners, if you haven't seen it, I think it's the first 15 or 20 minutes you get this childhood flashback. So it goes back to, I think 1995. Was that the year flashed back to? It must've been around there. It was 90 something. And she's like 10. And then she's got a little sister and Rachel Wise is her mom and the guy from David Harbour. Thank you. I just couldn't remember his name. They're a family. And so what we know of Black Widow and you're sitting there thinking, like, I'm confused. What? I thought she didn't have family. Like, I thought she was plucked out of an orphanage. I don't understand what's happening. And then you get this 
very family centric. These girls are young and free and happy. And, you know, mom and dad, and they probably, you know, you you just get the sense of, to me, it felt very strongly nostalgic of the nineties, like Mm -hmm. that flashback. And then you find out that they're working for whoever is anti-shield. I don't remember. And they're Russian spies and they've been embedded in America to steal shield secrets. And then there's this scene that unfolds where they have to escape quickly in like one of those tiny little puddle jumper planes. People across the internet, specifically men, were like, that opening scene sucked. That was bullshit. I don't understand why it was there. And I'm over here like, no. No, that makes perfect sense. Like she had a family. So like this tug for her fight to find a family is so, so much stronger now. Like you feel it so much more now when you go back and watch the other movies because it wasn't real. She's been a spy since she was 10. Before that. Cause she obviously knew what the red room already was. Cause she didn't want to see her sister go through it. That's right. She said, no, don't send her. She's too young. I, oh my God. That broke my heart. Yeah. Let, I guess let's move on to what our f- impressions were of the film and, and the storytelling and all of it. Cause I thought Marvel did a great job. So when I, I thought it was a really great delve into her backstory I didn't get maybe as much as I wanted to necessarily but I'm hoping that I mean we still have the Hawkeye show too like I didn't feel like they kind of went into the history of Budapest and why it was so important either but I'm hoping with the Hawkeye show that we kind of delve into that a little bit more um that's a really good point I guess I didn't pick up on that they were there and they they made a point to say like those were arrows in the walls it was probably when Clint was trying to hunt her down yeah. But they didn't really delve into like anything more than that or how their friendship developed, I guess. Yeah, because throughout the whole thing, they have this really strong bond and there's no real explanation for it. You just know that they're besties. Like that scene, what? which one is it in where they go to Hawkeye's like sanctuary house or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Avengers too. Thank you. And his wife's pregnant and you yeah. know she's like talking to the baby like it's a girl and she's like actually, and Linda Cardellini's like, oh, it's actually going to be whatever male name is here. And he she's was like, traitor. Yeah, she's like traitor to the stomach. I was like, oh, that's cute. You guys are really close. How? I, I I thought that the opening bit was so important to helping us understand why she's so guarded too, mm-hmm. because oh, throughout- absolutely. first of all, that whole opening sequence was so important because I know for a fact, because I missed it when I went to the movie theater, I was in line for popcorn. The line for popcorn was way too long and I missed the first 10 minutes and I walked in during the credits. And so I sat down going, what did I miss? And my husband had to kind of fill me in. And then watching the whole rest of the movie, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then we came home and immediately bought it on Disney plus because I wanted to see the first part of it. And then that beginning part, there's so many callbacks later on in the rest of the movie. And it really just develops how they really felt like they were a family when they were in Ohio, even though they weren't actually family. Um, I feel like it, it was a a super important part and especially uh, showing how, scary and terrible Drakov was about the girls I heard a lot of people um watch it and get kind of freaked out because apparently uh human trafficking is very much like that scene yes Um, and that's when I when we were in the theater seeing that scene I thought oh my gosh like this is very and I wondered if Disney was intentional about that parallel it hit it hit my heart a lot and it really felt like this is going to be a movie where we are going to tackle very major female themes. So if you don't like it, get the fuck out. This whole concept of taking young girls and, and, and grooming them to be assassins, but then also like forcing them into it in a way, I don't know. It just removes that autonomy that one can have and, 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 you know, free will doesn't exist in this sort of concept. And so Natasha fought so hard to get her free will back And then to watch her struggle throughout the movie with how she gained that freedom back Mm -hmm. was really just, I, it felt like such a hero's journey. She thought she had done this right thing, right? She thought she had killed the guy years ago. Mm -hmm. And now that's being called into question and other things are happening. And now she's like, yet again, having a crisis of conscience. Cause there's another, I forget which one it was. Was it Winter Soldier where she has the conscious of crisis where she's like, I thought I was working for the good guys again, but then they find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing like, 
or somebody inside shield was doing weird shit yeah it was like the hydra situation yeah Mm -hmm. i felt like we were on the journey with her i felt like when she was devastated about the guy's daughter i was devastated about the guy's Mm -hmm. daughter you know what i mean like i really thought that they got deep into how they told the story and just trying to convey her in a way that we haven't seen before uh, yeah I get that because you really haven't had much backstory into Natasha at all even though she's been in all of these movies and we've seen her like hero's journey we don't really know behind the scenes of, of any of that at all so it was pretty interesting to watch so as we're talking about the plot the themes the structure the cast the characters so the movie runs about two hours and 13 minutes and I'm gonna be completely honest here there were moments where I was like this is taking forever. And I was getting restless because I felt like some areas dragged a little bit. And so some critics argue that the plot is really weak. Do we agree? Do we disagree? I, I, I don't agree with that necessarily. There was some points though, that I felt like could have been beefed up maybe a little bit more because specifically I was thinking at the very beginning, um, at the very beginning, you're watching these two girls and the story and then um, at the end, right before Natasha gets drugged, the dad character says, oh, that's Natasha. And I'm like, he's saying it in a way that I'm like, are you not supposed to realize that was Natasha this whole time? Because immediately in my mind, I was like, oh, that's Natasha, mm-hmm. obviously. So I don't know if that was something that was supposed to be like a like a gotcha sort of situation. Right. Or if, but that felt kind of obvious. And the taskmaster master thing um, I had like a nagging suspicion in my head that, oh, maybe it was his daughter the whole time. And then it was, so maybe it's just yeah. some of those things could have been maybe, uh, tightened up a little bit more. So you had the element of surprise behind them, but I, I didn't feel like the plot was like lacking in any way. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a point too, where you're just like, okay, we know she dies. Like that's a given it's, it's inevitable. We know that. So there's some of the, like my son and I talked about how some of the fight scenes felt, when you normally don't know, like at the release of all these Marvel films and you're watching and there isn't another film yet that tells you what already has happened mm-hmm. in Black Widow, these fight scenes where she's in these sort of scary situations. It's like, well, we know she survives. Like, yeah. we know she's not dying here. <laughs> this isn't the end of her story. And so I, I had said to him, I said, I think that they were trying to make it tense for the other characters. Like, do we think that the other characters are going to survive? But because we know she's going to survive, maybe by default, we assumed they would survive too. I can see that. The, um, my whole thing going into the movie was, even though I know she survives, I knew that Taskmaster was going to be the villain character. And in my mind, I was like, how is she going to defeat this villain this whole time? Because the, he's like, he is a perfect mimic and like how are you going to fight something that can exactly do what you're doing so Mm -hmm. that was what was running through my mind even though I know that she was going to survive like I just how is she going to fight that and I think they did the best with it as they could like she didn't end up fighting her Mm -hmm. that was like really the only way they could have gone I don't know I don't know how that character is going to come back either like I feel like it's an important character to bring back I just don't know in what capacity they will bring her back and if she's going to be a good guy or a bad guy or like a neutral mercenary type situation I don't right. know right because there was that point where they do sort of have this sort of soulful moment where she thinks she speaks to her but that could go in any direction post you know their interaction mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting though they commented on how they started doing like biogenetic alterations or whatever it was you know the mm-hmm. mind yeah stuff because you know they they brought that up a couple of times too throughout the movie and there was that um obviously because that's part of the plot and how they had this like powder type stuff to get them mm-hmm. to be released from that chemical control so a couple of years ago I had heard about in Europe I don't know if this is true because you know how people just talk and they get scared and things come out of here but there were these there's warning if you go into you know bars and clubs in Europe to be careful because there's like this powder substance that people could blow into your face and then you just sort of like check out and then then they rob you so that's what I was thinking in my head the whole time they were like releasing this powder on these women to like relinquish them from this hold of the red room what did you think about the casting of like Rachel Wise and Florence Pugh and David Harbour? Like, did you think that was a good choice? I thought they were 
Excellent. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I think I'm biased because I already love all three of them yeah. in just in the different things, projects that I've seen them do. Um, Florence Pugh is hilarious. She's, she's so funny. And I felt like the way that she's did her lines, like there, there was a lot of ways that they could have taken Yelena, but I feel like the way that she comes off with that dry sarcasm is mm-hmm. like perfect for that character. And she does it so well and she kicks ass. I love it. Um, and David Harbour is always great to watch I I'm a big fan of Stranger Things so I love watching him in that and then I have the biggest celebrity crush on Rachel Vice. like I think she's beautiful and amazing and I like I gush about her every time I saw like I hear that she's going to be in something I'm like I have to watch it so knowing that she was in this and she plays such a badass character I thought that was pretty cool I do wish she had a little bit more screen time maybe but you know I actually expected her to have more screen time. I thought that they gave David Harper a lot of screen time, which I understand because of the character that he was playing. Mm -hmm. But I thought that because, you know, Rachel Weisz still sort of stayed within the system of whatever the Red Room has created outside of the Red Room itself. I, I guess I wish that we had a little bit more of her because mm-hmm. she was such a caring mother in the beginning. And then, you know, we don't see her again until they, I don't know, 45 minutes into the movie or an hour. Yeah. And just to get a name like Rachel Vice, I felt like she would just be in it more, I guess. But yeah. Okay. Maybe I, we'll see her again soon. Yeah. I also love it when she plays characters that have American accents. <laughs> she's not American yeah she's one of the ones where I'm just like like I know that you're speaking with a fake American accent but it sort of sounds cute and I love Mm -hmm. it so I know that Black Widow takes place after Captain America and so you know Civil War Mm -hmm. and it was it was originally slated to be released in May of 2020 and so some critics argue that the releasing of this film after we know that Natasha dies in the end of Endgame was just a ploy to elevate Florence Pugh's character. In the after credit scene, we see Contessa, the Ve- Contessa Valentina Allegra mm-hmm. de Fontaine. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, and of course, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who I love. Um, and so we first saw her in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we've had, we had this conversation when we recorded it about how she was supposed to be like, that was an Easter egg rather than a reveal. Mm -hmm. And so there, as you mentioned, they talked about Hawkeye a couple of times and there was like so many references to Clint throughout the movie. It was just kind of ridiculous. And just to refresh everybody's memory, Jeremy Renner plays Hawkeye and he is from Modesto. Not everyone, when we went and saw the movie, not everyone stayed through the credits for the final, final scene. I think there was maybe like seven of us. How do people not know to stay through the end? I don't think there's ever been not an end credit other than end game, which, but it was still like a Easter egg end thing, but not like a credit credit scene. Yeah. There's like only seven of us who did. And I was oh. like, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to get something good. I just know yeah. we're going to get something good because like, we're going to get something good. And so <laughs> then the final scene happens and, you know, throughout the movie, Florence Pugh's character is like, I would have liked to have a dog. Mm-hmm. And so we see that she gets the dog, whatever. So I like, like, can we talk about that final scene? Like, did you, I made an audible noise and irritated the person next to me. <laughs> Cause I yeah. literally was like, <gasps> yeah. I, I'm confused. I'm not. Con- well, okay. Yeah, no, I am confused. I'm confused about what the plan is here because obviously we know who Clint is. He's another Avenger and, and Yelena knows that he and Natasha were best friends. So it's only hearsay, I guess, on how she died. Like how, yeah. how exactly do they think that it's Clint's fault that she died? Like there's going to be some heart to heart conversation. Like your sister tied me up and wouldn't let me sacrifice myself. So she sacrificed herself. It's going to and- be, yeah go ahead it was and it's and it really is kind of like how it feels like a number one fuck you marvel for doing that to clint because that's not cool because <laughs> yeah. he's been so like he's just been so solid throughout the whole thing since he's first showed up Two, like to have julia louis and i understand like her character is not the best human so she's gonna frame it in a way to make to get the results that she needs to get yeah but what's the intention What's the intention? Why yeah. make Clint the target? That doesn't make any sense. At it doesn't make all. sense to me either. 
I'm wondering if they somehow brought Natasha's body back from what was what was How that could they planet Nevadelir? But she well, I oh, mean, Steve they had did to go. Show Steve her. had to go to return the stone. Yeah, and so I did he was he did. able to be like, "Hey, Red Skull, nice to see ya. Do you mind if I take my friend's body with me? Remember me from when you tried to take over the world and Captain <laughs> yeah. America or like, That must have been a conversation. I hope that shows up in What If because. Although it probably won't. I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to know what happened there. But um, yeah, is her body still on the planet? Or is it in Ohio? Or where? <laughs> what, what did they do? Yeah, was that? Where is that gravesite number one? I assumed it was Ohio, just like based on, because that's where they were when they were, were growing up. Which is so and funny also, to me. Ohio. That's funny to Random. me. <laughs> Random america but also like did her family her family i mean you know get blipped too like because because they because avengers were like adamant that she didn't have any family so did she not have any family because the three of them got blipped or did they honestly not know about them i wonder if clint knew i wonder if she confided in clint in that way i feel like if anybody knew it would be clint yeah even he was like he didn't say anything when they asked if she had any family so I don't know what the situation is there or, you know, Natasha was a spy. Maybe she kept it from all of them and Clint doesn't really know about that part of her life at all. So right. who knows? I Well, I guess we're going to find out hopefully in Hawkeye, but, but oh we'll see. I guess goodness. I have a lot of questions now. So what are some of your questions? Just about what is the intention? Like you said, the intention of Valentina saying that Clint was the person that killed Natasha or was responsible for her death yeah um where Natasha's body is <laughs> like yeah. I feel like the whole conversation between Yelena and Clint's gonna be like a big drawn out fight that could have been stopped with like one conversation right but I'm sure the fights will be awesome it would be it'll be fun to see so yeah I just I, have a lot I have a lot of like where are they going with this particular thing I still need to know how the Contessa fits into all of it. Like, I still don't think I have a firm grasp on that. And granted, yeah. I don't read the comic books. So I don't know if she's in the comic books and people know how she fits, but it's just so interesting how she sort of is like a meddler, but she's the meddler that no one knows anything about, but she's still like, she can control shit. She's supposed to be like the bad Nick Fury. Like- oh. Like Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts or something to that effect where she's collecting superheroes. Okay. But to what end? Because mm-hmm. we know she has US agent. Mm-hmm. We know she has Delena. Um, I don't know who else she's gonna yeah, be collecting. That. She might be getting the taskmaster, she might be getting ghost. Who knows like where where it goes from the Ant Man movie. So like I do love how she's like, see. I need a raise. <laughs> Elena's like, I need a raise. <laughs> Girl, we all need a raise. It really bothers me how much criticism this movie is getting because I feel like people are not necessarily, I guess to me, it feels like it's highlighting the female plight in the sense of like, you're assuming that this movie is garbage and that she's trying to be a pop feminist icon, but really the, her story starts in, you know, is before 1995. Like this is a theme she's been dealing with her entire life. Even when you go back to Iron Man two, we don't really get a lot of her, but she's presented as Natalie in that one and so clearly there's something about it and then when Nick Fury's debriefing about uh Iron Man and whether or not he should join the team like again she's like Agent Romanoff and there's this very coldness about her but she's very insightful and so to me the criticism just feels like another sort of lack of understanding of what women go through when Mm -hmm. you haven't been a person who's struggled in a career of some kind or just struggling to exist in a in a dominant world that doesn't necessarily carve out space for you I always have to come at it like am I being too like do am I just cheering this on and want it to succeed so I'm mad at anybody that says otherwise Mm. about it because I really want it to succeed and they're giving fair criticism and I'm being too critical of them or, yeah. or are they being harsh because it's not the viewpoint that they're used to seeing 
and I'm right. And they're being sure, you know, like it's, yeah, that's a good point. Like the scene where they're in the plane and the David Harbour's like, Oh, what did you get your period again? Which one, I fucking hate those jokes. Mm -hmm. Stop it already. Like let's put a period, um, pain emulator on you and see how well you handle that shit. They would not, they would not. And then, (laughs) and then for Elena to be like, no, they took out all of my bits. I Mm -hmm. have none of those things that can happen. And I read somewhere, I forget which article I read, but I was like, I'm not putting that in here. And here I am talking about it. The article kind of was flippant or the article was critical and made it, their opinion was that it was sort of a flippant way to add the horrors of like forced sterilization into the film. And, but we know that we know that she's gone. They've all gone through forced sterilization because there's an, I forget which one of the Mm -hmm. 30 million Marvel movies that Natasha's in, she makes a comment about how that's part of the process. So women apparently have only two options is they're considered a monster if they, cause that was Natasha's thing. She said, I'm a monster. Mm -hmm. And there, I think there was a lot of uh, pushback on Joss Whedon for that line, because like, if you can't have a baby that shouldn't make you a monster amen first of all all. and i say that as a person who has had a baby like just because you have you can't have a baby or don't want to have a baby or are just aren't able to have a baby like should not make you a monster amen or you have to like joke your way through it and i and yelena chose the joking part which i feel like is a better coping mechanism than considering yourself a monster so uh, i guess we just can't win either way right right because you know in this situation they don't have a choice and so how are you going to deal with it and leaning towards comedy feels a little bit better mm-hmm. did that horrify you good it should have it should that was have. the whole point to yes. horrify you because guess what that shit happens all the time all the time still to this day that shit is happening to little girls everywhere and by little girls I mean anybody under the age of 18 <laughs> so like yeah we need to be talking about it because now you have like we talked about in I forget which recording we did at this point because we talked for hours ad nauseum <laughs> about all these things but that, you know, when, when Natasha and Clint are fighting about who's going to take, who's going to make the ultimate sacrifice so they can get the soul stone, you know, and she's like, she literally has, you know, implied throughout every movie she's been in that she doesn't have family or she's blatantly said it. She doesn't have family. So it makes more sense for her than Clint. Cause Clint's got three kids and a wife and, you know, not that family is the end all be on the only reason why you should, should, should survive but her mentality of being a monster and not being able to like do these things that we as women are assumed we should want to do is, you know, puts her in a better position to make that sacrifice. So like now my position on that scene, like changed a little bit because of seeing her in this solo film. Now it's like, did she die feeling like she wasn't worthy of anything? Like, cause that's heartbreaking. Cause she no, totally yeah. does like no girl you you just I just wanted you and the Hulk to be together that's all I wanted (laughs) well I mean he turned himself into Professor Hulk so that wasn't really going to be happening anyways also true keep it green what is that what do you think men they would rather sit in radiation for six months than talk about their feelings right where so how does Yelena fit this is my question how does Yelena fit into the next phase of Marvel, like we kind of, a couple conversations ago, we were like, is she going to take up the mantle of Black Widow? But obviously not since she's like demanding a raise from the Countessa. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't really know right now. I'm kind of happy not knowing and finding out what's going to happen as, you know, news comes in Mm -hmm. and speculating, but I don't, I don't know anything right now. I have no idea. Yeah. I just know she's going to be in the Hawkeye movie or Hawkeye show. So I guess we'll find out in like four months. I hope so. I'm looking forward to that. So for people listening and who haven't seen the movie, I don't understand what you're waiting for. Um, Why you're listening to us if you haven't watched the movie yet. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I genuinely loved just how David Harbour played his character. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, I thought it was so much fun. And then I, I loved how he was kind of like, yeah, we're a family, we're a family. And then they bust him every day. We're not a fucking family. Like that was fake. <laughs> I think but, he wanted it to be real too, though. I think they all wanted it to be real. And that's 
part of why it's so sad too. Florence Pugh's line about how she spent three years of her life, the best three years of her life and they weren't real and she didn't know it was fake. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that broke my heart. At six, yeah, I can imagine. And then to go from this loving environment to whatever the hell the red room is. Oh my gosh. They've given us glimpses. I can't remember what movies they've been from though. Like uh, her shooting guns and doing ballet and they're like just showing that how strict and strenuous and demanding the red room is. I wanted to kind of know what they meant by cycling through the red room mm. because they mentioned it a couple of times and, and the mom Melina's character said that she had cycled through the red room four times before she was even that before Natasha was even born or something like that and I'm like well what does that mean what does it mean to cycle through the red room yeah I guess I didn't really because I've only seen it once I try to watch things multiple times before we record about them but I didn't have the opportunity to do that so I remember her saying that but I guess I didn't pick up on it like I didn't let it sink in and to your point about like the flashbacks to, or she's mentioned ballet and they did sort of do some imagery about her doing ballet. None of that, like the red room we got glimpses of now, they were doing martial arts. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to sort of, when you take into account how she recounted the small amounts of time she recounted her experience and to see it compared to what they're, how they're training these women now, I think just demonstrates the evolution of just human nature and and the planet and the world and the society in which we live on a global scale was there did you jump on any of the boards this time or did you kind of wait honestly I just haven't had time yeah I wanted to I wanted to I haven't had time but also I kind of tried to avoid it because I knew it's going to be a male-dominated voice they didn't really want to hear that if I was going to find a, a board to read it up on, I wanted something that was more female oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but because yeah, up- most of the comments were like, oh, did you see their butts? Uh, <laughs> oh, there's some close-ups of their butts. You bring up a good point though, because there isn't a lot of space. I think the, I think I would, I think I was disappointed by the Atlantic review because it was literally the only female reviewer I found in print online mm-hmm. um so easily right it was within the first 20 hits when i type into google black you know critic reviews of black widow she was in the top and i guess i felt like because there's so many male voices in discussing the world of marvel that are so dominating to finally find a female byline i was just like oh man we don't agree. Like <laughs> we don't agree. This that's okay. Hurts. You can disagree with people. Yes. Yes, you can. Well, I for guess. the most part, as long as you're not like, you know, talking about rights as a human being. Right. <laughs> but, but our opinions about Black Widow can be different. When we have these sort of female-centric films, do you think it did challenge sort of that concept? Because Wonder Woman, you know, she's in heel. I mean, from the jump, Wonder Woman's been basically in a bathing suit and heels. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know, Catwoman also is a very sexualized character. Um, and I understand these are DC characters, but I thought it was refreshing that their costume, like they were in sturdy boots that you could kick ass in, and they were wearing, you know, clothes that made sense to be like utilitarian in the way of like, I might need to grapple down something <laughs> so this is vest what i with need lots of pockets so yes cool. i love how she's talking about her vest yes. cool right so cool right <laughs> and then just make kept making all those callbacks and then mm-hmm. in the end when she gives it when yelena gives it to um um natasha i was like you really are sisters <laughs> i thought that was really sweet but I did, I appreciated that it wasn't, it didn't feel like sexualized characters. It was very, uh, it was very much like we are in combat gear because mm-hmm. we are in combat. Yeah. I thought uh, the choice of having Natasha in a white uh, costume was an interesting one. Cause I just don't feel like that was a, I mean, I guess based on where they were, they were in the snow. So it made sense, but like, it's not very stealthy to wear mm. a blindingly white suit. It looked good on her though. Yeah. 
And I don't think we ever really saw her in any color in general. Like I think in, again, Winter Soldier is the one I watched the most because, you know, mm-hmm. Bucky and Steve. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've got a problem, Shy. Um, you know, she's, she's playing, she's playing a different character in that blue suit. And then we find out, and then we realize it's Natasha. Like, I think that's the only time I can conjure where she's wearing color because even in iron man 2 she's in all mostly all black mm-hmm. and then i pulled up infinity war i didn't watch the whole thing i was like i just feel like i need to refresh because i've seen Endgame so many times <laughs> and age of Ultron comes on on the tv a lot too but anyway again she was in a lot it's all black so the white the choice of white yes to your point she's in the snow but it was definitely it felt out of character one thing, one moment that I really loved, um, cause with Nat, you never know like what part she's being genuine and what part she's like working. And that callback to the first Avengers movie where she is like scared and she's nervous and bad guy is like monologuing. And then she turns around and goes, thank you for your cooperation. And yeah. you realize like, oh damn, she was just getting information from him this whole time. Yeah. I love that callback to this, to this new movie again. And I thought that was a cool, like, Natasha move mm-hmm. for her to pull back to. She is a consistently played character and still manages to have some sort of growth to her throughout mm-hmm. the entire franchise. And I think that's a really cool way to show character development because, you know, Steve's kind of the same throughout the whole movie, right? He's dedicated to good and we have to do the right thing. And he's not really, like... I want to say... By end game, I feel like he was definitely a different, and I think they showcase that with the fight against himself. Yes, how much of a as a person he's changed. Yes, definitely agree with that. But like, I guess in the sense of like, like Tony Stark doesn't really grow that much, but he does. Like, he's still a dick throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, but he, you know, he does get. He's on the other side of that coin when it comes to the empathy than Steve. Obviously, that's part of the you know that's part of the um, narrative, but. Thor kind of is the same guy. Everyone's kind of similar. Like it's all slow growth, right? Like everyone's doing slow growth throughout the entire franchise, but Natasha's growth is so slow and so steady and so stealthy because she is so guarded and so protective of who she really is that when we see her in this film, it was kind of like, okay, there you are, girl. Got you. Good. Thank you for showing us a little bit more but she's still guarded like I said earlier Scarlett Johansson just really fine in it just this is gonna be mean or it might not be it just take it how you want watching her in Iron Man 2 because I was like I have to remember where she started before Mm -hmm. we talk about this and I'm thinking how the fuck did she manage to keep this job it wasn't that great she wasn't as strong she wasn't as solid but like Robert Downey Jr. was like he's he was Tony Stark from the jump like from one to two all the way through Endgame like he was solidly in that character and totally knew who he was Black Widow starting from you know Natasha Romanoff when she was Natalie something or other to Black Widow like the growth that Scarlett Johansson made as an actor in that character is so crazy and and now I now I'm like I'm glad they stuck with her because if I was in charge I'd have been like we need to recast this person she's not strong enough she's not playing this character strong enough you know she's not really settled in and then to see her so settled in in this film was just like she owned it this is her this is her character this is the person she knows how to play and she's going to crush it mm-hmm. I think when we first get introduced to to Natasha too is that she's supposed to be the sex pot like she's supposed to be the seducing intern type situ like person mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was necessarily the who she was trying to play as Natalie because we find out later that of course she's not Natalie and then when you find out she is like uh, Agent Romanoff the, the even then in in the first um, movie that she's in what well, Iron Man two right mm-hmm. that. I feel like there was a big difference already from when she is Natalie to when she turns into Mm. like shows herself off as her true personality. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I'm just being a judgy McJudgerson because I'm just like, "Eh, I can live. I take it or leave it, ScarJo. (laughs) 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, she's obviously, especially in that time period, when was it? 2009? I think it was 2009, That was like the peak of men Terrible being things. Sarjo. Yeah, like, yeah. I just remember, I remember being like so sick of her at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, because wasn't she like married the to- life that I wish I had. Was she married to Ryan Reynolds or Gosling? She was married to somebody who's married to someone else now, or they were seriously dating. They, and you like, know what? I think you're right. They, I think she did marry Ryan Reynolds. I totally forgot about that. And she had released a CD. Yeah. And yeah, she, she was singing. It was like post uh, Lost in Translation and everybody was in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I think, I think not only was I like just kind of sick of her, I was also very jealous of her and wanted to be living the life that she was living. Yeah. Um, yeah but I can now I can appreciate her and I yeah feel like she did a fantastic job with with the role that she was given yeah I'm gonna echo the jealousy because I think she and I are similarly aged I think she's like 38 or something 30 yeah maybe like a year like, younger than me 37 36 something yeah, like that though. so I think she and I are either the same age or she might be like I think I actually think we're born the same year if I'm if I'm remembering. So there was that point for me because you know I, I didn't want to live here after high school and I wanted to go and pursue some sort of creative something or other. And so being stuck at home with a child <laughs> with me having zero employability skill, employability skills, employable skills, um, watching somebody, you know, have the career that you wonder if you could have had. It, and it takes a lot of bravery to go out and like audition and you know go out there and put yourself out there because there was a lot of that sex symbol stuff that she kind of got shoved into and that was just typical of Hollywood period but I feel like it was really bad in the early aughts as we are seeing now as we reflect upon how everyone treated Britney Spears Britney wasn't the only victim of that it was every beautiful woman in Hollywood who maybe talented or not it didn't matter to echo you there was a there's a point of jealousy there too but now she's married to Colin Jost. And I'm just like, girl, he's so basic. <laughs> like, I love what? a basic white boy, but like. I love him. He's fucking funny. I'm not going to so deny cute. that. You don't think he's cute? I don't he's think he's so cute. cute. <laughs> really? I think I he's so think cute. I think he looks like a, he could be a Chad. Yeah, but he's not because he's funny. I know he is. And funny. he's smart. Yeah, he went to Harvard. But he also is actually smart because sometimes people go to Harvard and you yeah. meet them and you're just like, mm, yeah, I thought you yeah. said he went to Ivy League school. Do you ever watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No, you keep telling me to. So I'm oh, like, oh, I gotta make, I gotta they make just, time to do it. They make a joke about people because she always says that she's from like Yale or something. I can't remember right now, but yeah, that was the callback. That's funny. I do love him on weekend update and I love the dynamic that he and Michael Che have on Mm -hmm. weekend update. And I'm just like, this is such a good combination because some of the better combinations I think in our lifetime have been like, you know, Amy and, and Tina were really good. And then Amy and Seth were really good. Mm -hmm. And then I honestly can't remember any other co-host Seth had besides Amy. And, and then they tried to do Cecily Strong with, I think, Colin Jost at one point, and that didn't really work well. And then they brought in um, Michael Che to be his co-host, and that dynamic is so they're really good funny. together. They do a bit. Have you seen them when they do this at Christmas time, where they're like, "We wrote jokes for each other to say, and we didn't like read them beforehand." They I heard that. Really, I haven't, didn't watch the latest one. It's so funny because Michael Che trolls um, Colin Jost and is like, you know, he just trolls him on his Instagram and, you know, cancel Jost. He's a racist. But it's not, he's not serious. Like it's part of his bit. Um, So a lot of his jokes will be like centered around like Colin saying something that you're just like confirms Michael's bit about being like racially pre- it's really funny and I'm realizing that it might not be funny to people who are listening and don't know their dynamic and it might sound <laughs> horrifying <laughs> anyway back to the topic at hand which is Black Widow do you think it was a disservice to release the film to because they delayed it obviously because COVID mm-hmm. and no one could figure out their shit about how to release films until about six months ago but do you think it did a disservice to the franchise to like 
have it come out after Falcon? Because I feel like there was a point where they could have tried to release it before Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I mean, mean, not in movie theaters, but at early access. Um, I mean, I, I'm of the mind that Marvel movies, if it's a movie, needs to be on the big screen. So I am glad that they waited because I, I'm one of those people, even if they had released it on um, early access on Disney+, Plus, I would have gone back to the theaters to watch it in the big screen because I just feel like the way that they film, even if they did like Loki or mm-hmm. um, maybe not Falcon Winter Soldier or WandaVision, but I feel like Loki would have done well, like on the big screen too. Loki um, had, I know that they, Marvel was like, we had to make sure that all of our TV shows were, had a cinematic feel, but Loki had the most cinematic oh, feel. It was beautiful. Out of of yeah. It was really beautifully shot too. So I feel like that would have done really well on the big screen, but I just love seeing, I think it also because it's become a tradition at this point, like a Marvel movie is coming out. Okay. We're going to go to the movie theater and we're going to watch it. Yeah. So I actually trolled the Weagle, Weagle, the Regal website because I had gotten an email saying, oh, tickets are on sale. And I was like, sweet. I got to get in there because I don't want shit tickets. I don't want shit mm-hmm. seats, but they weren't actually on sale. They were going on sale the next day. So I normally wake, I trained myself to wake up at 530 in the morning. Trust me, it's not easy. It's very difficult. I'm so irritated. I've done this to myself, but if I'm going to eat breakfast and work out every day, it's the only way it's going to happen. Woke up at 5.30, rolled over, picked up my phone, bought tickets. Nice. <laughs> but I think I freaked out the lady next to me because I startle easily. So a lot of times I would like jump and I think she was getting frustrated. So it's like, note to self, next time buy the seats on either side of me as well. <laughs> Maybe. That's probably a good way. Also, just like basic COVID safety precautions at this point too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at this point, movie theaters... Actually, yeah, they were at full capacity. It was a sold out movie theater. There was not mm-hmm. a free seat in that theater. And that stressed me out. My son and I had a conversation. I was like, I'm telling you right now, I'm emotionally preparing and I'm warning you now, the theater is sold out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like, okay. So we we didn't end up getting snacks because he was like, I just want to like, it's like, I fair because yeah, no, you have to point. live with me who is like terrified of every communicable disease, whether it's reality or not. <laughs> Yeah, I always check right before um, the showing, like to see if the seats next to us are sold out or not. So mm. that's that's a good point about not getting snacks if there's a sold out show. That would be, I'd be very uncomfortable too. I understand that. We went but, the Thursday night. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I think we went, um, I don't even remember now when we went. But I also feel like it would have been funnier, I think, to see uh, Val first in black widow Mm -hmm. but i don't really feel like it did her disservice to have her in that for in in falcon and winter soldier first yeah because she's so mysterious in both one like Mm -hmm. you can't you can't figure like she identifies who she is but you can't figure out what her goals are like with some of the end scenes like the bonus scenes like when like what's his face oh my god Gamora's dad, the one who ruins everything. What is his Who's name? dad? Um, Gamora's dad from Thanos. Thanos. Because <laughs> you know, sometimes there'd be end end credit scenes with Thanos, and you're like, yes. oh, that's clearly we know what he's up to. Like mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. or it just always makes sense in some yeah. way. Like you know, you you doesn't make full sense, but you know where it's going. Mm-hmm. And for me, this was like, I have no idea what the fuck you guys are doing other than like setting up for the next thing, but I can't figure out how it fits. So thanks for that. I kind of feel like her introduction in Falcon and Winter Soldier 2 was funnier. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they did stick with that. I don't know if they filmed it knowing that Falcon and Winter Soldier was going to be coming out before Black Widow or not? I don't think so because it was supposed to release in May 2020. So I'm thinking it probably filmed in 2019. Black Widow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Falcon and Winter Soldier introduction when we first meet Val, I feel like they filmed that after knowing that oh, Black yeah. Widow. Yeah. So they made they punched it up and made it a little bit funnier than if maybe we already knew who Val was. Right. So I'm not mad about how they did how they ended up doing it. Yeah, she was a lot of, she, there was an element of like, um, fun tone to her in Mm -hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
which I love all the gifts on um, Instagram for. <laughs> so you would. You type it in and it's like them fist bumping. Oh, I love it. I need a, I need a life. I need a hobby. This is not healthy. <laughs> well, I just, I don't have anything else to add other than I really appreciate that they gave us like this comment about this pop feminist icon. I don't agree with, but I do think that we finally have a female superhero who isn't sexualized. And I'm really happy about that. Mm-hmm. She's somebody, and I feel like uh, there's a good point that Yelena made that Natasha's a killer, but her poster is on the walls of little girls and little girls idolize her Mm -hmm. as an Avenger, but they don't really know her background. And I feel like it's a very, not relatable because nobody else is going to be an Avenger, but it's like, uh, she's a flawed person, but she still is, you know, trying her best and trying to be a good role model and a good person. She never loses her heart, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a great callback. And you know what? If she is a feminist icon, then awesome. We need more. So who cares if she is a feminist icon? Damn straight. That's good for her then. With all of her posing. Scarlett Johansson doesn't mind. Right? She just (laughs) keep doing all of her posing. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) That was so funny. I did. I really did love like the bits of reality that Yelena would insert into like, why did you pose like that? Why do you flip your hair back like that? Like you're just waiting for people to look at you. And she's like, I'm not doing that. But she's like, obviously like, you know, there's an element of that. Yeah. I like that she like kind of uh, cut through the bullshit on a lot of that stuff. And then when Yelena jumps through like something and lands herself in a pose, she's like, ugh. Yeah, she's like, ugh, disgusting, ugh. I'm excited to see what they do with Florence Pugh Mm -hmm. as not Black Widow, but as like this kind of character, because we're definitely going to be seeing her more. She's she's a great actress in general, but she's also like a badass. So I'm appreciating that. And I love that she's dating Zach Zach Braff. Mm -hmm. And they're so cute. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous how cute they are. Yeah, I'm interested to see where Hawkeye goes and how often we see her, if we see her. I'm assuming we'll see her yes. in Well, Hawkeye. yeah, I looked on IMDb and she's listed as, oh, okay. as joining, spoilers, I guess, sorry, um, the show. But I kind of feel like with the direction that uh, Loki has introduced, mm. I have no idea where anything is going. Like, mm-hmm. I, I genuinely don't do, I, I have my mind is like blown. Freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I genuinely have no clue where we're going with yeah. any of this. Neither do I. Well, I love it when you stop by to talk about Marvel. I just think that it's one of the best. And I feel like maybe you're becoming like our resident Marvel guru. <laughs> Anything nerdy? You're like, ah, Shai's probably into it. Yeah. yeah. It makes me happy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> If you didn't make it to see uh, to the theater to see Black Widow, it's available on Disney Plus to Disney Plus subscribers. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Talk to you next time. <laughs>